welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Good morning, everybody. It is good to see you this morning. I'm glad you are all here, and most of you are smiling, and that's wonderful. And it's great to be with you worshiping this morning on Trinity Sunday. Um, Let me pray for us as we begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, help us to adore the mystery of of you as Trinity this morning. And... um, I just think of that psalm in Psalm 29, that you sit as king who reigns above the floodwaters. Lord, your voice is powerful. Would you speak to us? In the places where we are in turbulent waters and chaos, would you be made known as king? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I was thinking back um, this week to a company that I used to work for back when I was in the retail industry. Most of my experience was in retail or customer service. And one of the phrases that this particular company had that they drilled into us as a core value was anticipate the customer's needs. Anticipate the customer's needs. There's a lot of work to anticipating a customer's needs, right? You have to really understand people in general to kind of pinpoint where people are at specifically. It involves knowledge, but not knowledge in the way that we usually think about knowledge. When I say knowledge, what happens is we can associate the word knowledge with study and research, um, intellectual endeavors, and that's true. Uh, but what, it, what builds the context um, <clears throat> for subjects uh, and people in conversations, there's, there's another type of knowledge out there, and it's relational knowledge, knowledge of another person. And so what is it for, uh, what is it for you that when you say someone knows me, what does it take? Or I know somebody. What does that take for you? Um, I don't know a person until X happens. Like, there's somebody I know who does not feel uh, known unless they have been in person with you or gotten a hug from you. Like, they do not know you. Um, And, you know, for some people, it's it's having a beer together, having a coffee together, being together in person. Uh, For some people, it's sitting down and actually having a meal together or experiencing the chaos of... Uh, raising kids together and and watching uh, each other kind of deal with the chaos of of that, Um, playing sports together, going on a walk together. What is it that for you where you say, you know, until I have done this thing, I do not know somebody. And actually, I want to ask you, if I mention that, uh, are there things for you that you would say, man, until we have done this together, I don't know if I really know you. And I can say for me, it's actually having a meal. Uh, sitting down and having a meal together. Whether it's breakfast, lunch, or dinner. Um, what is it for you? Coffee. Coffee. Yes. 
for many reasons. Yes. Watching sports. Oh, that's an interesting one. Great. So unless you've watched sports together. Maybe it's playing sports too. Yeah. That's good. Talk in person. Yeah, exactly. And when we started the church, we were all online, and I didn't feel like people really knew people until they actually met one another in person. Yeah, that's a good one. Any asking a, a question of somebody? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Good. So you know, knowing somebody isn't just being able to research them to know facts about them. In fact, that'd be kind of weird. Uh, It goes beyond that. There's a different kind of knowledge that we're building, which is relational. So the idea of knowing somebody does not have as its goal the recitation of facts about an individual. I can tell you things about you that you've told me, and I I know them, uh, but that's not the same thing. Relational knowledge has as its aim uh, care for another person, or at the very least, empathy, trying to understand somebody uh, and appreciate them. So... This day in the church's calendar, Trinity Sunday, um, has a lot of rare and unique pieces in it that we don't do any other time of year. We're going to say the exhortation, which does happen a couple times of year. We say that before communion, and it's this, I call it a a holy unsettling. It's a weird thing that we do a couple times of year. I say peculiar. Weird has a negative connotation. It's peculiar, um, and it makes us stop and consider the condition of our hearts a few times in the year before we approach the altar of God. It's done before Lent, it's done before Advent, and here it's done before we enter the long stretch of ordinary time where we're going to wear green all the way until Advent. Um, And we recite something called the Athanasian Creed, which was written in the southern part of France, probably around the late 5th century, and it was addressing errors that some were making about the relationship of the persons, uh, the person and the natures of Jesus. Was Jesus two persons? Uh, is he a divine person and a human person that are somehow united by the will to just do the same thing all the time? Uh, was he one person that had some complex kind of nature that wasn't quite like ours? Uh, that, that wasn't the same as the one that we have? Or is he one person with two natures? And, and how do the three persons of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, relate to one another while being one essence? Is God the Father for a time, the Son for a time, the Spirit for a time? Or is he all three eternally? Um, and, and are those three one? So the Athanasian Creed in our tradition is read on this day. Uh, It's the only Sunday of the year where we read it, and it's a reaffirmation of what the church believes about the nature of God, the Trinity, and about the Incarnation. And so we should know something about the Trinity. There are things to know that are really helpful to know about the Trinity, and I think the creeds give us guidance in those things. You can think of them uh, like bumper bumper lanes uh, for for bowling. Um, But that doesn't mean that they're just there to explain the minutia of the nature of God. Because I think knowledge of the Trinity has to be accompanied by a relationship of love. So there's relational knowledge when we talk about the Trinity. And in our gospel passage today, Jesus says that he has many more things that he needs to tell the disciples. Things that he hasn't told them while he was on earth with them. And because of that, it's to their advantage that he goes away. The Holy Spirit is going to come and he's going to guide them into all the truth. The things that belong to the Father 
Uh, the thing, yeah, the essence of the Father, the things that belong to Him, also belong to Jesus, is what Jesus says. And the things that belong to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is then going to declare. Again, Jesus won't be present with them, uh, you know, as He has been when the Spirit declares those things. And a life of coming to know the triune God then means that we're growing in the experience of the love of God and in hearing the words of Christ. So what does it mean to have relational knowledge of the Trinity? It means that we are growing in the experience of the love of God and we're growing in hearing the words of Christ. And I wonder, uh, first, if we're able to hear. And then second, I wonder, what are the things that hinder us from hearing those words of Christ. You know, having now lived over the last you know, 15 years in different cities and suburbs around the country, I treasure those moments where I can get away somewhere, um, find somewhere so remote that I can't even hear cars. It's rare to find. But they're, they're there. Um, I once went on a trail, and it was beautiful. But I kept every five minutes hearing an airplane go overhead because it was by the airport. And I thought, man, it's just taking away from the natural beauty that's here. I need those spaces where I can't hear cars. For a kid who went to South Lake Tahoe growing up, like I need those spaces. And so I found one in Northern Virginia, actually, if you're interested. One of those places that you can't hear cars or planes, or at least they're so muted that you can't hear them, uh, is in down in the Mason Neck, which is pretty close to here. And all you can hear in, in one of these places that I found is the wind that's blowing through the trees. It's amazing. Uh, I love going down to the Mason Neck area in general, but uh, more recently going down to Mason Neck State Park. Um, that area is off of Route 1. As you go into Gunston Road, you go deeper and deeper on Gunston Road. It's like you're in these... Uh, farms and fields and it just feels like a whole other world in northern Virginia and one of the places that I was uh, recently at was Mason Neck State Park which I've been here for 10 years and it was the first time I went there a few months ago and as my son and I made our way in this trail it was a long trail we were in the middle of the woods we stopped and I said okay can you be quiet for a second which is hard to do when you're two. And he, he was. And I said, all right, I want you to listen. And he listened. And I said, okay, now, what do you hear? And thinking about it for just a second, he said, it's windy. I said, yeah, that's right. You hear the wind. Uh, there's normally so much background noise where we're at that we can't actually hear the wind. We know it's there. We see the trees blowing. But we can't hear it. And, and I wonder what background noise there is in our lives that keeps us from hearing Jesus speak. There's a frenetic pace to the life of Northern Virginia. I know, I also live in it. And um, I wonder how much the expectations of other people or the anxieties of other people then uh, become part of our background noise. You know, when a supervisor is anxious, it means that we have to work doubly hard as we um, are trying to nullify or take down their insecurities or anxieties. And that puts anxiety and, and pressure on us. Sometimes the demands of children push our priorities down and down and down and down and down until uh, we're not going to get to them. So we have unmet expectations, frustrations, 
And we get to the day and we feel like, man, I am exhausted and I can't tell you one thing I actually accomplished today. See some of you nodding. And, and so how are we supposed to, in those moments, hear the words of Jesus through the Holy Spirit when there is so much spiritual background noise? I think the answer is that it takes time. It takes time to develop that hearing. It takes intention. It takes grace with ourselves in those places where the background noise just kind of takes over. It takes the breaking in of God's love and new creation that does this reorientation of us into the image of God and, the pre- and seeing the presence of God in other people. It takes work. Um, and it takes a love for others that comes only from this abiding in the mystical, sweet communion with the Trinity. And so a few of the ways that we can hear the words of Jesus from the Holy Spirit are the scriptures themselves. Are we in the scriptures, reading them? Uh, we, can, we can hear the words of Jesus in periodic moments of recollection and stillness. Um, and we can hear the words of Jesus in the communion of saints. So one of the reasons that we value the church's tradition so highly is that in looking back, you and I can see the ways that the Holy Spirit has been at work moving in the church throughout centuries, throughout the world. And the Holy Spirit is always working to reform the church uh, and always leading her into truth in the words of Jesus for, for the new challenges that we face in this age. Um, and has done so in the different challenges in ages past. In our Book of Common Prayer, we have a calendar, actually, for remembering the saints of the past. So I want to encourage us to let those saints be a guide to us as we um, think about the ways the Holy Spirit has spoken the words of Jesus in the church. What do those saints' lives teach us? The communion of saints is also those who you're sitting next to this morning. It's not just times past throughout the world. You are part of this right now. You are part of the communion of saints. People that you rub shoulders with week in and week out. And being in the presence of one another. Some of you said, you know, being really next to somebody. It has a profound impact on us individually and on our knowledge of God as we encounter his presence in another person. There is something that you get by being here. And getting to know somebody, you get to learn about the image of God in them, who are his image bearers. The Spirit speaks to us then through the scripture as well. Um, That's a special kind of revelation. If we would read the words of scripture sacramentally, thinking about uh, the inward grace and an outward sign, that there is grace to be found in the scriptures, they would point us mysteriously to Jesus, who is the divine word. The divine word is revealed in the word of scripture. And we need a habit of reading scripture in such a way that we are ready to receive the words of Jesus. I know one of the ways that I um, grew up reading scripture is making sure that I had a checklist of daily Bible reading plans. And that's helpful. Um, but we need more moments of reading it sacramentally, looking for the grace of Jesus in the scriptures. The Spirit speaks to us as well in periodic moments of recollection and stillness. If you grew up in the Catholic tradition, you'll probably be familiar with the word recollection. If you're in the Protestant traditions, you may not be as familiar with it. It doesn't mean that we set aside hours of time during the day 
to go and find wilderness. Um, it's impractical to do that. You'd probably lose your job. Uh, so don't necessarily have to do that, although it can be helpful, and periodically one should do that. Um, we're not cloistered monks, and so it would be really hard to do that. But when we think of recollection, it is this calling to remember the presence of God. Are we making a habit of recalling the presence of God in our day-to-day experience? Uh, I love what one of our colleagues, the, the prayers that we pray, says, and it quotes Isaiah. It says, in stillness and in silence, you will be saved. There are several ways to understand that, but in thinking about recollection, you know, that this is one of the aspects. In stillness and silence, we will be saved. How do we create inner stillness, inner silence? Perhaps we do a morning prayer, midday prayer, evening prayer out of the Book of Common Prayer. That's a good thing to do. Or maybe all we can find time to do rhythmically is a shorter family morning prayer. That's a good thing. We can remember God's presence um, in teaching a verse of Scripture to our kids. Maybe over a meal, having them recite it throughout the week. As they learn the Scriptures, we inevitably will learn something from them. Um, Or lighting a candle at meals to invite uh, the light of the world into our conversation over a meal. These little little things that we do to reimagine, recollect the presence of God in our conversations and in our day-to-day experiences. We might designate a part of our house as sacred space or carve out time in the garden where we can actually be producers of something rather than constantly being consumers. Um, We might create space to be in God's creation with attentiveness to his presence there. Whatever we need to do, we need to do to remember the presence of God in the ordinariness of the day. And so God's presence in the ordinariness is, is the lesson plan for the school of the Lord's service. Think about that. God's presence in our ordinariness and in the ordinary stuff of our days is the lesson plan for the school of the Lord's service. And that's what we mean by uncommon transformation. When you hear about us talk about becoming a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. So we think about the Trinity more deeply today. I want us to think about relational knowledge of God. More and more, uh, which happens by the grace and love and experience of the divine life of the Trinity, more than thinking about knowledge as spelling out the nuances of the interaction between the divine persons, as interesting and helpful as that is, the goal is not explanation, the goal is adoration. And so one of the things that, there's a church father in the 4th century, he wrote in Syriac, named St. Ephraim, and he wrote poetry. It's one of the reasons I actually came into the Anglican tradition in the first place, is I wanted to find people who could do theology and poetry. And St. Ephraim, when he wrote one of his hymns, he actually talks about the three persons of the Trinity. He says, therefore, without arguing, except that everything, written or spoken, both names and titles... He wished to provide fullness to the life of humanity, neither for debating or arguing, should we investigate their nature, but to understand how great is their love. To understand how great is their love. We would all be helped by practices of recollection and remembrance that God's presence is in the midst of us, in the everyday ordinariness of joys and messes. And if you think of the psalm reading today, you can think of that God sitting over the flood is king. You and I, the ordinarinesses of our days, often those floodwaters of chaos. 
he sits enthroned above these things. And so one of the things that I've wanted to do over July and August, um, we're going to do something together after we get done with the regular formation group that we have in June. The next thing we're going to do in July and August is I'm calling it Rhythms of Grace, an Ordinary Life with an Extraordinary God. Rhythms of Grace. Um, and in that study, I'm going to invite all of us to, to sign up. And I'm going to put men in groups of two or three, women in groups of two or three. Um, and you're going to be given a chance to meet with your group four times over, and you can meet more than that, but four times over July and August. So I think every other week you can start meeting with your group. And in those times together, I've got some reading to do. Uh, I've got some discussions and activities to do together. My hope is that in doing this, you and I can look at what does a normal two to three week cycle look like in our life right now. Um, And I want to be able to develop tools in community that we can use to give more attention to the different spaces of our lives that we need to make space for uh, to experience God's presence in the different areas that you and I live in. You know, whether that is, think about prayer, think about the relationships that you have, the friendships that you're fostering, parenting, the vocation that you're called into, service to others. All of these things and more are areas that if we don't give intention to them, we can just survive and forget about them and kind of be at the whims of the tyranny of the urgent. And so we're going to give time and space to to give intention to those things. I have a sign-up that's available online. I've got a sign-up out here as you by the exit door outside, along with the welcome card and the prayer card, which you can always fill out. There's also a sign-up sheet there if you want to sign up manually for those. And you can just give me your name and email, phone number, and I'll connect you into groups of two or three uh, so that you can meet with your group over July and August and work through uh, what the church sometimes calls a rule of life, which I'm calling rhythms of grace. And so, um, one of the reasons I want to do that is that we have space to kind of reset, recharge, refuel before fall comes and all the intensity of the fall. And we make sure that we make time for that in community and get to know one another better. Um, It's not because you need to do more, right? Because we all have checklists. It's because we need to make sure that we're doing the right things. Uh, And without intention, you and I are going to be living in this constant state of reaction to everything than keeping an intentional rhythm. So I find that there is refreshment, there's renewal uh, in hearing the words of Jesus as they're spoken through the Holy Spirit. And so what I want to do is create more time and space uh, for him to speak. In, In other words, you can think of it as the removal of the spiritual background noise. So I can be in that place where we can hear the wind of the Holy Spirit. And so I would love for us all to be able to identify what is background noise, to get rid of it. Uh, To be known as a community that people enter into and they feel like they can just walk in and take a deep breath and relax into spiritual silence and hear the words of Jesus in this community. And that means that you and I are all working on rhythms of grace together um, as we grow in the knowledge and love of God in community. Let me pray for us. Gracious and Holy Father, please give us intellect to understand you, reason to discern you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, a spirit to know you, 
a heart to meditate upon you, ears to hear you, eyes to see you, a tongue to proclaim you, and a way of life that is pleasing to you, patience to wait for you, and perseverance to look for you. Grant us a perfect end, your holy presence, a blessed resurrection, and life everlasting. Amen. Let's take a moment to be silent together, and then we'll recite the words together of the Athanasian Creed.